Shalom Aleichem to everybody, a good evening, and a good Chaydish. We're holding the month of the Menachem Av. Here in Harnof, we davened already, we said, Yalav Yavu, you and Chutzlaretz, you know, you're going to be coming into it. And we hope and we pray, we davened that the months will be filled with Nechama and Menucha, and uh, our fervent prayers are that we should be zeichet that this year, that the uh, Tisha B'Av should be a Yantif Gadol, like we're promised by the Navi, that as Hashem is Baruch, it's going to be Nefach, from Eivel Yantif. And uh, according to some, we know that Mashiach is supposedly born in Tisha B'Av. What that means exactly, you have to ask all the, the experts on the Hilchus Mashiach, but the concept that Mashiach can come and should come, and we hope and we pray. And at the same time, as we've said before, we have to be realistic that now we're holding in the nine days. Nine days is the time of beginning of the morning. And the Avelis on the Churban of the Beis Hamigdash, Srefus Beis Elokeinu, I think I mentioned in the Erev Shabbos of our Torah that, you know, it's very hot around the world and it's a lot of fires. And maybe it's a reminder that Rabbi Hashem was telling us that the Beis Hamigdash was 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 burnt with a fire and we have to rebuild it with as we know the base of English will be built Hashem, with a, a fire from the Rabbanishum will send it down. I think we mentioned that uh, the Rabbanishum maybe wants from us that we should become more fire dick, more warm in our Avodas Hashem. So what better way for us to be Mechazik in the Indian of of having warmth and having a hasty relationship with the Rabbanishum than to speak about our Gedolim. So we decided that we're going to do a part two on last week's podcast where we spoke about the great God will be Israel, Paisik, Reish Kholbani Agayla, Rev Yosef Shalom El Yashiv, Zechaz Adik Levracha. And uh, I felt that maybe we didn't do proper justice because there's so many great stories. And you know, I love to say over the stories. I think the stories really, really can give us a, a, a live, so to speak, um, viewpoint and vision. And a role model for us, and we can be we can learn lessons from them about how important it is to see the lives of the Gadon, the lives of our leaders. So Rav Yashiv, as we said, was was not necessarily the the typical, as one would say, of the Gadolim that many of us knew. He was he was almost on the on the sidelines for many many years with his tremendous asmada. His tremendous, as we said, his song of Torah, his shira of Torah from the time that he was young, which continued, Mamish Ad Yay was continued to be that Masmid, the Shaktan. And, uh, and people knew him for his Psakaloch and his godless Torah. I'm not the one to necessarily uh, shots up and to be able to give you a proper analysis. I was Zochit to be able to ask him many Shilas. I saw some of the greatness, but really his depth of learning is. Brevis of learning was really beyond the regular, and he 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 showed that he was the path he was the pathfinder for so many piskalochas which we have today. Specifically, I want to mention, especially the anhogas that many of people in Yerushalayim have, Lagabi, the, the nine days, and generally just the area of like churban habayis. Vayashev was very much felt the responsibility of keeping the 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 minhagim of Yerushalayim. And, um, you know, the, the, there's a minig in Yerushalayim not to have music at, uh, uh, music like a band at weddings. 
some people in America, they're not used to, they come here and they have this, you know, the one-man bands, you know, just with, um, with a, um, drums. And it used to be in the old days, in my day, they had that one singer, and it was like, it was like the most dreary type of Lebedica singer that you could finally have. But today, there's have, they, they have all the different uh, Hasidic groups that come, and they have a cappella. And then there are those that are makel, they want to be makel, you know, they're makel on uh, having an organ, and then other people have, you know, maybe two pieces. But Rav Yashiv was from the old school, and he felt very much the minig, which was kept in Yerushalayim, should be kept. And that's just like a muscle to everything. You're always very, very serious about keeping the hanhogas of Yerushalayim. I would call him Yakire Yerushalayim. He really showed us what the, what the, what the great chashivas of what Yerushalayim here at Kodesh was all about. I remember going with him to the Kaisel, Erev Rosh Hashanah, Dan Hoga, the way he stood at the Kaisel like a soldier, davening. In fact, I think there's even maybe a YouTube of myself davening together with Rav Yashiv. Maybe Yisrael will be able to pull it out. And um, I, I was able to daven with him many, many times. And uh, it was great to be able to be, in, to be in, within that spectrum, to be around him. But I thought that besides his godless patera, and I want to speak about one story to show a little bit about his godless patera, that's usually when I say the, the human side of Rav Yashiv and his tremendous, tremendous midas tevis. You know, when I think back, harken back to it, when I think about my own relationship with many gedolim and Rav Yashiv in particular, you really, we, we, we were drawn to these great people because we saw how refined they were not only in the learning, but the learning helped to refine themselves as becoming, as becoming anoshim shleimim, becoming the other mashalim. So there's a story which I bring in the book, which is one of the few stories in the book which really has a like very big halachic chiddush, which uh, I've uh, really been asked by so many, so many Tamil Chavim, the marker for it. So I just, you know, will just share it with the story with you. There was a Yid, a Chashvet Talmud Chacha, that lived in Yerushalayim, and unfortunately, he, he got the Machla, and the doctors that he went to, they tried all kinds of Tipulim, and then finally, at a certain point, they said to him, listen, we really have no Eitzah for you. There was one particular doctor, professor, who said that there's some sort of new, um, new method which has not been tried and hasn't really been tested so well in the United States, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, it's, you can't find it over here, and yet, but the thing is you have to travel right away. This was, the information was given over on a Friday, which meant he would have to go and fly on Shabbos. And he went to Rav Yashiv, he was close to Rav Yashiv, and he came to Rav Yashiv's house. Rav Yashiv went through the Shaila, and he said to him, you know, what does the doctor say? What are the chances? What are the statistics? When you come to Allah, you have to know what statistics are. What does the doctor say? Like, what are the chances? He says, the doctor felt there's maybe a 15% chance. So it's not really a rave. Every lot of things go with rave, you know. So, like, and it, it hasn't been something which hasn't been tested. Has, has been tested. Reverend Yashif felt at the end of the whole discussion, after hearing all the information, he didn't take it lightly. But he said, "I don't see any head to fly on Shabbos." He said, you know, you have to you fly after Shabbos, but to be mechala Shabbos for this type of suffix, which is very very small spakers, doesn't seem to be that there's a head to do this. And the person was Makabalit. He asked me, what should I do? He says, Dav Davinin, you have to Davin, person should Davin. He went home and he told the family that, you know, his wife especially, he said, listen, this is the Psaq Allah from the Gadol Ador. 
And this is what we have to do. So his wife became very emotional about it. And she decided, no, she's going to take things in their own hands. She quickly ran back to Rav house and she was able to get into the... Rav used to meet with women as well, not like many of the Gdolim. He also met with women and uh, they let her in and she spoke and she said, the Rav has to know that I feel very, very strongly that he has to go there. And how can the Rav not give up Sakalacha? There's even a small chance. Okay, I feel this is something which will heal him. Okay, we have to do everything in our power to make him be healed. So Rav Yashiv, this way the story was given, Rav Yashiv was standing up at the time and Rav Yashiv, who knew Kolotar and the Piske Halachas were mamish on his fingertips, for five minutes he was silent, which was like the biggest pause that anyone that had any relationship with Rav Yashiv ever, ever saw. Rav Yashiv was the man that had all the answers. And Rav Yashiv was quiet for five minutes. And after five minutes, he says to the wife, I hope that he should go on Shabbos. And we have to get the, the Askanim involved. And all of a sudden, Rav Yashiv stopped being... The, just a simple Pesach, all of a sudden now you have to go and we have to try to get the um, Askanim, get a plane, medevac, and they ended up flying the person on Shabbos to the United States, ended up starting this um, new type of treatment, and end of the story is this great, great, you know, ending, which, not ending of, the ending of this part of the story, which is the person was healed. And after six months of going through the different uh, New Age treatment, he was able to fly back home. And one of the first places he went to visit was to go visit Rav Yashif and to give me Yashikayach and to thank him and to tell him, to report him that Baruch Hashem is better. And, um, and then he turned to Rav Yashif and he asked him the million dollar question. He says, Rebbe, I don't understand. I asked you to Shaila and you told me I shouldn't go because it's Chalash Shabbos. And then my wife came and she asked you to Shaila. And then all of a sudden you decided that I should go. What happened? Was it because my wife was so emotional that the Rav changed the Pesach because of the emotions? We don't change the Torah because of emotions. But I'll tell you exactly what the Shail is. There's a specific halacha in Shulchan Aruch, which brought on Hilcha Shabbos, Negea, to Sakonis Tafoshis. What happens if a doctor says to a person, um, you need medicine, you have to do it. And the person says, I don't need medicine. Okay, then we listen to the doctors. What happens the opposite? The doctors say, you don't need medicine. And the person says, no, I feel I need the medicine. Even if it's going to be a chilo Shabbos, so we listen to the chilo. It's a concept called kimli. When a person himself is sure, we find this halacha also in Yom Kippur, and they get the breaking the fast. When a person is for sure about his own needs, then a person takes precedent over the doctors. So when you came and you asked the Shaila, you asked the Shaila, and I asked you all the different, you know, the different points, and it came out that the doctors really didn't feel there was really such a high-level chance that the end of the day, Baruch Hashem, worked out to. Rav Yashiv didn't say this, but maybe that was because all the tefillahs that the family put in, which Rav Yashiv had said really a person should do. We have to wear a but who knows what koyecha tefillah there was. But the main thing was that you didn't have any personal feeling about what to do. You came to ask the Shaila. When your wife came, all of a sudden saying, no, I know this is the right thing. So now I started, I had to be shaykel. What's the halacha concerning an ishta kagufa, a woman in her relationship, her husband, a wife with her husband? Is that of a din of kimli like the person himself? Or is it like a separate person? I had to go through all the sugyas. It's not simple. 
and I was able to come up with the Chiddush, that what? If you're going through the Zugis, that the Ishtika Gufa applies also here, and there's a Kibbutz. This is a Chiddush Pesach Halacha, which many, many Talmud and I've spoken to, they said it's really unbelievable. And there's a lot of points you have to take a look at the Mishnah Bura, the Bira Halacha on it, but this was Eli Yashif Pesach. But it shows us the godless of Eli Yashif in his Kayach Chiddush of Taira. And at the same time, it shows us that Rav Yashiv did not necessarily uh, take the emotions and bring it into the Torah. He was very much, he was in, on top of things. But he felt very much that this din of Yishkagufa, a person has to be careful. This next few stories, are, which I'm going to say over, really, like, each one is fantastic. This la- latest story, which I've heard recently, you know, this is the week of Yashiv's Petira, the 10th year. I saw a Gavaldika Maisa, which really shows us a different, a different side of El Yashiv as well. And uh, we'll zero in on it. And it shows us really this, ep- this outlook, how much the Torah really trains a person and gives a person uh, a, a complete picture of what's going on in life. There was, uh, you know, Rav Yashiv, especially, you know, he had certain hours where people come to Eskim Shaivas. And when he got older, as I think I mentioned last week, he even added on hours because he had a car satayv after he had a heart operation when he was in his early 90s, which gave him more years. He felt that car satayv, that Klaiso was davening him, even added on more hours. But later on, he became elderly. wasn't easy. And one time, at the end of the time period, there was a woman that came, and uh, she went to get in, and the other said, listen, he already finished his time, he's tired. So she started crying. It seems Rabbi Yasha heard a woman was crying. And he said, who is it? And they said to him, they went and they said to him, there's an almana outside. She's going, almana? We know the tears of almana is something you don't turn, you don't, you, you always have to run there. You have to be careful about the tears of almana. So Rabbi Yasha said, bring her in. So she came in and she said, she came to the Rav. Why did she come to the Rav? Because she has a son. You know, she, she's, she's an almana. She's taking care of her son. Son's in yeshiva and he doesn't have cheshik and learning. You know, something we can all relate to. And, but by her, I guess her late husband was a Talmud Chacham. And now the boy wants to leave Yeshiva. And she's very upset. So she came to the Rav She's asking a favor that the Rav should give a shtickle chizik to her son and speak to him. Now, Rav wasn't Mr. Kirif professional. You know, he wasn't Rav Noyach Weinberg, that's all. You know, he wasn't the Eish He wasn't the Arachim. The Rav Paisik, but if Yasha heard this, Yasha says, Please, I want your son to come to me tomorrow. Next day, the son came, Yeshiva Bagar, and he comes in, and Yasha prepared a shtickle shmuz to give him. And he started speaking about the Indian of Avasa Torah. And when a person has, loves the Torah, there's nothing greater. And then what happens when a person learns the Torah, he becomes Mamash, not just the Tamachachim, but the name of Tamachachim, but he gets closer to Akkadish Baruchim. And the more Cheshik you'll have, and he started saying a few chazals. Rav Yashiv wasn't a big, you know, uh, darshaner, but he gave him like a hagdara. If you'll have the oy of Torah, then I promise you, you're going to have atzlach in your life. So the boy turned to Rav Yashiv and he said, "Bechilus kfeider Rav, the Rav has avasatara, the Rav has cheshigatara. I don't have it. I'm in the yeshiva. I don't have chavrusas. I'm learning by myself, and it doesn't go. And they're from board. And I figured I might as well use my time." I'll go out, I'll do something, and I won't stay in yeshiva. So Yashif was like stunned. He said, what, there's no mashkiach in the yeshiva? That daigas for chavrusas, that worries about getting a chavrusa? 
So he says, no, there's a, there is a mashkiach in the yeshiva, but the few times he got me chavrusas, the chavrusas really weren't, it didn't work out, and then I'm left alone, and he doesn't do anything. So Yashif said like this. First he said, I want you to go to your mashkiach tomorrow, and I want you to say over that I asked that he should be metapal to get your chavrusas. He didn't say, oh, tell him Revo Yashif. He says, tell him. Just tell him I said, it'll, it'll mean something though. And then Vilyashiv did something which was so out of character, Vilyashiv. He cried. And they say over the two tears fell from his eyes onto his Gemara. Vilyashiv was not a very emotional. I saw him in many, many situations. He, ne- he didn't very rarely did he show his emotions. For sure he had emotions. Very rarely showed, over here he showed his emotions and he cried. And this Bakr saw the Vilyashiv really, really cried for him. And it really went into his heart. And it gave him a chizik. Yashif is concerned about me. And he went back the next day. He went to the Mashkiach. They said, Yashif, was married Yashif. And he said, please help to get me Chavrusa. And the Mashkiach went and got him Chavrusa. And from that day and onwards, this Baruch started having a cheshik and an Avasat And he started learning well. And he ended up becoming a Ben Torah and becoming an Avreich and a Talmud Chavim. And to me, this story really depicts a great side of Yashif. First of all, how much... He cared about the Almana and he cared about the Almana son. But I think it's more than that. Rabbi Yashif showed in this story how important each and every single individual in Klayasol is. How important it is. And to try to help whatever he could do in his own way. He wasn't Uri Zohar. He wasn't Arachim. He was Rabbi Yashif the Paisik. Rabbi Yashif the Gadol, who understood that this is an opportunity for me to help help a Bakr. And those two tears that came out, I think that went such a long way in showing how great the Torah that Rav Yashiv learned was put Lamaisa. That was the biggest Psak Halacha, maybe one of the biggest Psak Halachas that Rav Yashiv gave. Ah, <laughs> I got to tell you some stories that Hakar Satov, this story, the Hakar Satov story, is one of my favorites. It's in the book. It just shows really, again, another aspect of Rav Yashiv. One day, Rav Yashiv, you know, for many, many people, you know, Rav Yashiv uh, was the Gadol later on in life, but people don't realize, I remember him, he used to take the bus to the Kaisal. That's how he ended up being directly able to take him to the Kaisal, because Rav Yashiv didn't have any, didn't have a whole entourage, and um, he was just, he knew it was a great time Chacham, but he took the bus, he had to take the bus to go to the Gadol, have a car. So, Rav Yashiv was once walking in the street, I guess, after davening, and he saw one of the, the signs, you know, Yishalayim, you know that Yishalayim is held up? It's held up with all the Pashkavim and all the signs. It's either about a Havgana, or it's about a Chasna, or it's about uh, a Macha, or it's about a new thing which came out kosher, kosher phones, non-kosher, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Everything's going on in Yishalayim, it's all on the walls of Yishalayim. So he sees there's a Modah for someone that passed away in Matasdorf. Person, it wasn't a big Talmud Chacham, it wasn't a Rav. In fact, it was a person that used to work in the post office. And Rav Yashiv told his, his grandson, I want to go be Menachem Oval. This person. Okay. And they went to Matasdorf, took the bus, went to Matasdorf, and they came into the Oval's house. And Rav Yashiv sat down, and it was Menachem, family, Nachmevelim. So the people there, wow, Rav Yashiv came all the way. Then they they said to the grandson, he says, 
I don't understand. Rav Yashav used to give a shir in Tiferes Bachurim, which I mentioned last week. Our father, even though he was a working person, he never went to that shir. He used to, you know, he, everyone knew about Rav Yashav, but we don't remember our father having a, a very close relationship with Rav Yashav. Why did he come to be Menachem Avalos? So the grandson said, I'll tell you the story. The story is my grandfather said that when he was 18 years old, he was read the Shidduch to marry the daughter of Rabbi Arya Levin. And anyone that knows Rabbi Yashiv did not learn in yeshivas. He learned with his father. He learned with his grandfather, the Leshem. He was a masmid otzim, and he was self-made. He learned literally by himself. Did not have a lot of chavrusas. He had chavrusas with his father and his grandfather. He went to different rabbonim, and his gainas, he was able to become who he became. And what happened was, but there were a few Bachram from Hebron Yeshiva that used to come to speak to him in learning. So before he got married, he said to these, he had a few friends that used to speak to him in learning. He said, listen, I'm getting married to Bari Levin's daughter. I don't learn in the Yeshiva. I don't have a lot of friends. Maybe you could bring 10 Bachram, maybe make it a shtick 11. It shouldn't be a bazillion. Everyone, the whole Yeshiva, all the bigger abundant were going to come. <laughs> no one's going to be able to dance with me. So two or three of the friends, they went around and they got a minion of boys from Hebron to come to the Chasta. And your father was one of those ten boys that came. And I have tremendous Hakar Satov that he came to dance at my Chasta. And when I saw the sign, I said, it's ready, it was maybe 60, 70 years later. 60, 70 years later, Rav Yashiv felt a debt of Hakar Satov that I have to go and to be Menachem of this person. This person did a taiva for me. That's how far Hakar Satov goes. I used to say it over the story many, many times to people that are Bala Tshuva. We don't understand how refined the character of the Gedolim is. When you see such a story, you see how great they are. Rav Yashiv's Hakar Satov was beyond. I know with myself, I mentioned, whenever I would give him the ride, always give me a big Yashikach afterwards. Always had a, a smile for me, always had a place for me. Reb Uri Lapoliansky, who was once the mayor of Yerushalayim and the founder of Yatsara, he had a close relationship with Reb Yashiv, became the mayor, Yatsara, and he came to Reb Yashiv when Reb Yashiv already was older with his bar mitzvah son, bar mitzvah boy son. He said, Listen, I want to, and he came with an invitation and he said, I came. Get a bracha for the bar mitzvah boys. Rav Yashiv said to me, he says, you know, I cannot don't even go to my own grandchildren's and great-grandchildren's bar mitzvahs. I'm just too shmach. I, I have to tell you, I can't come to the, to the bar mitzvah. So Uri, Uri said, the Rav shouldn't think twice. I came out covered to the Rav. And I went in, and I asked and my, my grandson should get a bracha. So Rav Yashiv gave him a warm bracha. And, and that was the end of it. The night of our mitzvah in the El Yashiv house, okay, this was the mach, this was the sheet that was going on. The grandson was, the Yashiv said, I have to go to the, to the bar mitzvah. He says, the, the Zaydi already gave a bracha. The Zaydi told me he's not going to come. Reb Uri won't mind. Reb Uri is the first one to say the Rav should save his kindness. He says, how can I not go? I have a chorus at to Reb Uri. First of all, because he went, he became the mayor of the city and Reb Yashiv was involved in it. And also Yatsara. He says, I'm Nenef from Yatsara. I have a Halichon 
I have Halichon from Yad Zara. I have a wheelchair from Yad Zara. Raburi was always being dying for me. How can I not go? Of course, I guess what happened. Rabbi Yashif went to the Bar Mitzvah and he gave a bracha and everyone was in the spo. But this shows how much the Gedolim, how much they perfect themselves. I saw this miser recently uh, that Rav Yashiv, you know, when he was younger, like I mentioned, a lot of the Gedolim people don't realize they lived you know, fairly normal lives in the level of being Talmud HaChachamim. They said, you know, we said over about Rav Chaim Kanievsky, the story from going to the beach. Well, guess what? Rav Yashiv also used to go to the beach. I heard that Rav Yashiv didn't, I never saw, I never saw him there. I only heard that he, when he went there, he would sit by the beach and he would get the fresh air and he would look at the sea. That's what I heard. Could be he went swimming as well, I don't know. But there was a, a hotel which was made specifically for B'nai Taira. It was called the, the Beit Havra'ah of the Vada Yeshivas. The Vada Yeshivas on the, three, on the two and a half weeks from Tishabov until Rosh Chodesh they would have a certain hotel in Netanya and many of them, I remember my receiver of Chaim Shalevitz went with Moshe Shmuel Shapiro and Rav Yash used to go to Kufa a few times. I can't tell you how many times he went. He went to get fresh air and to get invigorating from the, from the, from the sea. And uh, what did he, and Rav Yash, Lazy Huda Finkel, the old receiver, the old Lazy Huda Finkel, the receiver said, he was also there. And he said, ah, it was Gavaldik Rav Yash. I saw what his Bainazmanim is. His Bainazmanim was that you can learn whatever you want but you learn and you learn and you learn. But you learn whatever you want. You don't have to learn what the yeshiva is learning. You don't have to learn what everybody else wants you to learn. Learn whatever you want. And he sat and learned most of the time. And he went and got fresh air. Now he took the bus from Yishalayim to Netanya. And the way back, he took the bus. So he came, he had a valise, a suitcase, a small suitcase. And when he got to the Tachan Amerikazit in Yishalayim, which is not the same Tachan Amerikazit, the way it is today, old Tachan Amerikazit, one of his grandsons, his name was Yisrael's son, that was his daughter's son. He was waiting for him, for him and to help him take his suitcase and to bring him back to his home in Meyusharim. And that's what happened. He picked them up and they took a bus. They went to Meyusharim and they got a Rechov Chana and then they went into the house. And then his grandfather was very Masudar. Rav Yasha was very Masudar. Everything was always, he packed his suitcase. It was Mamash. It was like the same way he learned. That's the way he did everything in life. And on top of his begadim, there were a few Sfarim. And then he turns to his grandson and says, he says, you know what? I want to show you something that I learned during the Yemenis He took out the Sefer, Evan Shlema, from the Vilna Gaim. And he showed his grandson, I want to show you something beautiful from the, the Sefer. And he just brought the Pasuk, Hachzik, but Musr, Al-Tayrif, make sure you hold on to Musr, and don't let go of it. He says, the Iker Chiyasa Adam, the major life-giving force of man, is to be Mechazik constantly in Shviras Amidas, in the breaking of Midas. A person has a Taiva, a person has a Gaiva, a person has Kas, Always work on trying. A person has covered, has to work on becoming an honor. And he says, if not, what's the purpose of life? So Rabbi Yashif said to his grandson, he says, look at this, the Vilna guy. With all of his greatness in Dara, new with all of his precious and his tzitkas, parish and a tzaddik, and a kaddish, he also has to learn Muslim. He also has to what? To be machazik himself. And he was nispoed from this Limit of the Gra. It just shows that the great, great Gedolim, they always were working in themselves. They always were working on making themselves better and better. And this last mice, which we're going to say, is going to wrap up this uh, second half 
of her appreciation for the great Godel Rebel Yashiv. A personal story that I write about in the book many, many years ago, I happened to be in the United States, you know, running around. I was recruiting, raising money, you know, usually a bunch of shivas, that's what they end up doing in America. And the other one was in Manhattan, I had a meeting, and a late meeting, then I had to run to try to catch a minute. And someone told me there's a, there's a shul in Manhattan, somewhere you can get a minion. I got this, look at these older shuls, there had 10 people in there, it was all these older, you know, modern shuls. There's 10 people there, and I ended up diving Minchan, between Minchan and Mayrev. I saw there was an older man there. The older man saw me. I had a beard, you know, and he came over to me, like he was with a walker, and he says, he said, and to me in Yiddish, he says, so I said, I come from Yishalayim. He says, oh, I come from Yishalayim, Rakhidosh. He says, I'm also from Yishalayim. Maybe you know my Rosh Hashiva. I said, your Rosh Hashiva? Who's your Rosh Hashiva? He says, my, he said, the griddles. My Rosh Hashiva is the Rosh Hashiva of all the Rosh Hashivas. He says, yeah. And then he says to me, who do you think is the Rashiva of all the Rashivas? I said, I don't know. I was a little forever to say, he says. He says, the Rashiva of all the Rashivas are Vayashiv. He's my Rashiva. I said, wow, your, your, your Rebbe is Vayashiv. I'd like to hear about that. And he told me the story. He grew up in Yerushalayim, very, very poor. He had to go to work. And he went to work at a young age. And in those days, when he went to work, that was, it. That was like the end. You know what I mean? You didn't, you know, no, no, no yeshiva was taking you in, a very few yeshivas. But Rav Yashiv Zetzal was the Rav of the, the Magad Shir and Yeshiva's first Bachurim. And he met him and he says, Why don't you come to my Shir? And I'll come learn with me a little bit. So I ended up going to the Shir and then he ended up taking a personal interest in me. And I ended up becoming like a Talmud of his. And then eventually, afterwards, I got married. I ended up, you know, doing other things. I was a business. I ended up coming to America. Whenever I come to Eretz Yisrael, I always go back to Rav Yashiv. And when I come there, this is the most important. He always lets me into the house. No matter who's in the house, I get carte blanche. I said, why do you get carte blanche? He says, because when I was a town of Yashiv, Rav Yashiv's father, of Avram, was still alive. And one day, Rav Yashiv came, and he, says to, and he said to me, my father needs a blood transfusion. He has a very special blood. And Ryashiv was very nervous about it. And I went and I checked and I found that I had the same, the same uh, type of blood that his father had. And I ended up becoming the person that gave the blood transfusion, which kept him alive. Ryashiv had tremendous occurrence at the me. And every single time I came, Ryashiv always used to say, occurrence at the I have to be makatayv. No matter what was happening, you drop everything. Let me in. If he was sitting with a gadol and I would come, so he's the people with the gadol would say, another rav would say, what, who is this person? He's a clean-shaven person. He says, this is my Talmud. He's the one to help take care of my father. Rabbi Sai, the great gadolim of the previous generation, and Rabbi um, Yash was just nifted 10 years ago, but we still, I went to his grave this Kever this week, many, many other people went, and there's no question that he's making on us, he's davening for us, we have to daven that the Rabbi Hashem should listen to his, to his Melitza Yosher, and as we get closer to Tisha B'av, and we hope and we pray that we should have Yerushalayim Yerucha Berachim and Toshev, and we should have the Yekira Yerushalayim, Shabtchis HaMesim, wishing everyone a good evening, and hopefully with these words of Chizuk, and these great, great stories about the God of Ador, Yosef Shalom, Yashem, Zetzal, we should be Zoycha, to the Gula Shleim, Erev Yemenu Amen, wishing everyone a wonderful Rosh Chaydish and a wonderful Shabbos.
Thank you very much for listening. We want to thank jfoundations.com. If you could sponsor any of our activities, it'd be another way of addressing and being able to give over Torah to other people. Go on the website and show your support. Thank you very much for joining us.